0: Welcome to the Plan Vision Podcast, where we share simple, straightforward investment and planning ideas for normal people. The description in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Do not construe this as personal tax, financial, or legal advice for your situation.
1: Hello, this is Mark Zorl with the Plan Vision Podcast, and I'm pleased to have Scott Becker join me today. I've known Scott for a long time, back to the mid to late '90s. Uh, he's here in Minnesota, and he's a uh, well. He's going to tell us what he is, and uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about estate planning and wills, and um, and uh, see where that goes. Hi, Scott. Hi, Mark. Good to doing? be here today. Great. Great. Thanks for joining us. So, can you just tell us what you do?
0: Sure, I am an attorney uh, first and foremost, and so I help people with legal issues. Uh, But more specifically, uh, for today's purposes, I am an estate planning attorney, which means I help people deal with their property and and how they want to use that at some point in the future, usually retirement and then on after their death.
1: Okay. just out of curiosity, has there been an increase in your business this year in light of maybe people's concerns about their health? Has that happened or not?
0: You know, I only have my own empirical evidence to go on. Yeah. But yeah, I would say there has been a bit more interest in, in the idea yeah. of estate planning and getting a will, at least, which is <laughs> yeah. a, a,
1: an okay. intro part of estate planning. Okay. Well, maybe we can just start there. Could you explain what a will is? Okay, sure. Uh, a will is a document
0: that a person would draft or, or have written for them, and that would declare how they want to distribute their property at their death. Okay. And so what do they want to have done with that? And more specifically, it is used in conjunction, uh, not in replace of, but in conjunction with the probate process that estates often need to go through. And the probate process is is a court process. It's a legal process that needs to be done for certain types of property. They don't have some other designation.
1: Okay. So. And so, typically, if somebody has a Roth IRA or a 401k or something that might be what we would think of as a retirement-oriented account, that has beneficiaries.
0: Correct. Yes. And so, anything that has a beneficiary, your retirement accounts, as you mentioned, uh, life insurance, bank accounts often have what are called payable on-death designations, but those are like beneficiaries. Those would not be subject to the probate process. Okay. So they would bypass the will and anything associated with probate.
1: Okay. But other assets may not, whether they're home, business, other types of, you know, right. yep. properties, brokerage accounts. So the will says, oh, if, if we're not around, if we pass away, then our whomever it is happens to be, will receive that. Correct? Correct. Yep. And so one point, just quickly, you mentioned brokerage
0: accounts. Um, what a lot of brokerage companies will do these days is sort of bundle all of a person's investments. And so if I own stocks and bonds and mutual funds and whatever with a certain broker or a brokerage mm-hmm. company, they will bundle that into sort of one big thing and then I'll get the name of beneficiary for that. I and see. So that tends to bypass the whole probate process also if it's done correctly.
1: And so probate, that is... That is a legal proceeding. And the reason to bypass that is what? Uh,
0: I usually tell people it's there's a twofold purpose to that, to bypassing probate. Um, you want to save time and you'd like to save money because it usually can be a, a it can be a lengthy process. Uh, and by lengthy, I mean uh, at least several months long. Um, but depending on the type of property we're talking about, yeah. it could be even years. And then, and then cost. Certainly, uh, attorneys will get involved usually in filing paperwork and then mm-hmm. negotiating, and, and people can, you know, other like creditors can, yeah. can challenge and and uh, go to the estate to get paid. And so that all needs to be worked out. Sure. And oftentimes that gets expensive.
1: So I don't know, you know. <laughs> I guess, for better or worse, I don't really know the legal system that well. At least I haven't sure. been exposed to it personally that much. So is this done? Uh, who are the auspices that administer the probate process? Is it a county or? It, it is. It's a, uh, In Minnesota, we have 10 district
0: courts. Okay. Sort of like they're judicial districts. Yeah. But within each judicial district are different counties. So, for example, Hennepin County is the fourth judicial district. And so um, there may so be I, other counties, but, yeah. but so it's, I, it's districts.
1: Yeah. So if I live in Plymouth and I pass, my family will, the the probate process would be through the Hennepin County judicial system. Correct. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. And so I would work, my family would work through a, I guess, a judge to, with the will. And so the will is presented to the court and says, yep. oh, this is how this these things should be handled it is yeah uh, and
0: there are different types of probate depending on how strict or how much involvement is desired from the court okay so the first type of probate the least amount of involvement from the court would be called an informal probate and that would require just a filing with somebody called a probate registrar so we don't even talk to a judge or or see a judge in the whole process it's just an administrative person really um, I, I don't mean to, you know. Uh, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Discount their value, but they're not at the level of a judge. Clip. But they would review paperwork, make sure everything is the way it's supposed to be, and then approve it. And they would have authority to do that. From there, we go to formal probates, and you can have supervised or unsupervised. And um, if it's something that is expected to have lots of challenges, so maybe there is a will. Uh, And but people are challenging what's in the will, who's appointed as the personal representative, who is really the stand in person for the decedent. So the personal representative is the one Mm -hmm. who takes charge of uh, of all of the property uh, that the decedent leaves behind. And that's designated in the will. And that generally is designated in the will. Yes. So if let's say a husband dies and uh, he names his wife as the, the personal representative that he would like, it's still that person still has to be appointed by the court. But if that spouse, wife is, let's say she's 85 or 90 years old and not as quick as she used to be, maybe um, in, in thought process and so forth, there may be a challenge to that, a child, an uncle, aunt, some other relative or friend may challenge that and then the judge would have to make a decision as to whether that's legitimate or not
1: so uh, a couple of things pop up as I'm, as we're thinking about this or as you're talking about this will these 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 probate processes the probate process vary from state to state is that true they can there's something called the
0: uh, the the standard probate law or uniform probate code and okay. that's just, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a base set of laws governing probate that every state starts with. Okay. But then once the legislature gets done hacking it to pieces and, and picking it apart, there may be subtle differences yeah. from state to state.
1: Okay. Back to the a circumstance where there is not a will in place okay. and it is a married situation. Would the court default to the surviving spouse for the most part?
0: Usually. Yes, okay. that would be the default. Um, and then for distribution or heirs who inherits it, the, the state law in the probate code would have a, a, a set of heirs, so okay. classes who would yeah. receive the property.
1: What if there's a circumstance where there was a will which is clearly outdated? It's 20 years old, there's been a remarriage situation, but gosh, they never got around to updating the will. Mm-hmm. Is it still going to be the, um, is it still going to have uh, enforcement? Uh,
0: parts of it could, yes. The will yes. could still be enforceable. Uh, but what happens is in a divorce situation, the ex spouse is now deemed to have predeceased the testator, the person who made the will. And so husband and wife make a will back in 1990. Now it's 2020, and they've been divorced for 10 years the ex-spouse would no longer be considered either an heir or a, a candidate for personal representative.
1: I see. How is, I think, another function of a will, and maybe you can comment on this, would be identifying guardianship for children. Yep. Is, is that true?
0: It is. Uh, guardianship is a very important part for, of the will process for parents with minor children. And so kids under 18, testator again would have the opportunity to name who they would want as the guardian. That does not... Just like the personal representative, that does not guarantee that these people would be automatically named, that would still require a court uh, a process and a judge to actually issue an order saying, this person's going to be the personal representative and that person's going to be the guardian.
1: Okay. so. Are you saying then that if the will says it's going to be, I don't know, one of the sisters or or, Mm -hmm. aunt or whatever, that for extenuating reasons or something or circumstances, the the court could say, look, this is just not appropriate and we're going to.
0: Right. Yep. The court will reserve the last authority on that to to make that decision. Okay.
1: Okay. What would happen to assets or how do assets (sighs) get paid? So let's just take, for example, family, one child, child's 15. And they've got a couple of IRAs, 401ks, and they got $2 million sitting there. And um, the will says, well, first of all, let's take the example where there is a will. And it says, well, you know, we've got the guardian, it's the uncle. And so what happens to the, let's say the $2 million if it's just in a brokerage account? The child is a minor. So can they receive the money yet?
0: Is the child named as the beneficiary?
1: Yeah, let's say it's not an IRA or 401k and it's just in a brokerage account, but they're named as the, has the person, yeah, the beneficiary, I guess. Okay,
0: so that would eliminate the will then, okay? So because we have a named beneficiary, but... As a minor, they would not be entitled to receive that money directly. They would have a guardian over them, Mm -hmm. presumably a a parent, but not necessarily. And so whoever is appointed as the guardian over that child would then really have
1: control of that money. I see. And then the child can do what they want with that money when they become when they turn 18. Is that true? That's correct. Yep. Okay. All right. So. The will is a, an important tool that somebody can use to provide instructions on what happens to their assets when they pass and avoid potentially long and possibly costly process for their beneficiaries, correct?
0: That's the idea of it, sure. Yeah. In theory, that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> I won't guarantee it always comes out that way, but, exactly. <laughs> but nine times out of 10, maybe a higher percentage than that even. That, yes, that's how it works. Okay.
1: So a will, you know, you, you help people prepare their wills, I guess, and do a will. Right. I would assume it's fairly maybe not vanilla, but it, it's it's relatively uniform. And then you just craft the will to a person's individual situation, their family, their needs, those kinds of things, true. There
0: there are parts of it that are, yeah, standard, I'll say, language yeah. you would look for in a will, certainly drafted by an attorney. But I've seen people that have tried to draft their own wills and and they don't have a lot of that language. And of course there. are they're wide open to challenges and, sure. and and potentials for for non-enforcement. So
1: um, put you on the spot here a little bit. Generally speaking, let's just take your middle-class family, okay. parents, two kids. They've got an IRA, 401k plan. They got a house, nothing else. How much time might that be to put a will together? Might it be like three to five hours? Or for me? Or yeah, or for it? yeah.
0: Well, for me to do it, I would I would want to meet with them first. And that's usually an hour. Yeah. To determine goals and, and objectives and get names of who would they want to nominate as a personal representative and, and so forth. Um, we would talk about the probate process, how that works. We would talk about the exceptions to probate, like beneficiaries and things like that. Then I would draft it, which probably I would usually say another hour and a half, two hours to read through it all and make sure it applies to what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, and send it out to them, have them read it. They have changes. We make those revisions and then to get them to sign it. And sure, every will, of course, needs to be witnessed by two adults. It can be any two people. And uh, we need to make sure that the person making the will is an adult and of sound legal mind. Okay. Those are really your three requirements sure. for a will in Minnesota.
1: Okay. Let's transition this now. Thanks for that. That's really solid background on the, the role of the will, of the will and, and how it can be used because the term estate planning is used Yes. throughout the financial services industry and how people think about their future and passing and all that. Can you describe what you view as estate planning?
0: Sure. I would say estate planning from a legal perspective, and I think this is what causes some of the confusion perhaps, you know, estate planning from a financial advisor's perspective is sort of on when do you need the money and when do you want and how do we avoid taxes or reduce taxes as much. From a legal perspective, I look at things and say, well, How do you want to transfer your property to whoever you want to transfer it to? Because if you're that middle class person with, let's say, some significant money in retirement funds, or even just in a brokerage account, you may not want your children that are 15 or 18 or even 25 to all of a sudden get a lump sum of a large amount of money at if you were to die unexpectedly. So there are ways we can do that in a will or through a trust to stretch that out. And so um, you can have some control from like, It's it's a bit of a morbid phrase, but control from the grave, if you will. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm sure the term estate planning can mean a lot of different things depending upon the practitioner and the people that are thinking about estate planning. But yeah, that's let me let me ask you this way. There will clearly be people that likely just need a will. Like that's going to be adequate based upon their circumstances. But there are going to be people that will also want to have likely some form of a trust as well. What well, it just makes sense for their circumstances. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay. Can you describe the different kinds of... Well, Without I, there's a lot of trust, different kind. Of, is that true? There are a lot of different kinds... Actually, there really
0: are, I would say they boil down to two. There are two different kinds (laughs) of trusts. We give trusts lots of different names, uh, but really there are two different kinds of trusts. Okay. One is a revocable trust. And so the person who creates the trust, can at some point terminate it, go in, get all the property back out and end the trust. Or there's the irrevocable trust. So these are not difficult uh, <laughs> concepts to remember usually. And that, of course, is the one where the creator, the, the grantor, settlor, these are all fancy legal names, but the, these are the person who creates the trust, would put property into the trust and they would lose the ability mm-hmm. to ever pull that back out. Okay. Sounds like a bad thing, an irrevocable trust. Uh, but it can be very useful if we're trying to do things like get money and property out of a person's name or control. Mm-hmm. And so that, again, sort of sounds like a bad thing. But if we're trying to reduce estate taxes, or we're trying to qualify for medical assistance sure. late in life, or you know, we're trying to pass property on sooner rather than later, an irrevocable trust can be a very handy and then
1: within those two general categories there are different kinds of trusts is that true Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So they're irrevocable. I'm giving the money away. It's done. It's belonging to somebody else. Yep. And I, for whatever reason, you know, I I just decided to do that. Maybe the reasons that you mentioned. Yep. Revocable trusts, though, what would be the benefit of revocable trust if I can just back out of, you know, back out of it?
0: Sure. Uh, and revocable trusts are probably more popular than irrevocable trusts, but. I would tell you that the advantage to the revocable trust is not just that you can go in and terminate it at some point down the road. But if you have transferred all of your property into a revocable trust, it now would avoid probate at your death. So I set up the Scott Becker revocable living trust mm-hmm. which is how they're often presented and I have transferred my house, my savings accounts, my cars, all of my property into this trust. I die. All I need is a successor trustee then to step in and to take control of my property. There's nothing about going through probate then because the trust itself would continue on.
1: So how is the revocable trust different than the will, if the will would have avoided probate? Any, or is a revocable trust simply a part of a will?
0: No, a revocable trust and a will are two very separate things and different. The will, again, comes back to, I would the way to remember it is it's just an instruction guide for probate. Okay, So it just tells the court and the personal representative how the decedent wants to pass on their property. Who do they want to get their stamp collection and mm-hmm. their... Fancy car and stuff like that. Whereas the trust, and by the way, that is all made public. So I can go down to the courthouse and look up the will for somebody who maybe has filed their will publicly, okay? A well, lot well of let, me, let me get interrupt you here.
1: So yes. I can go look up my neighbor's will?
0: Yeah. Yes, it's public It's public information <laughs> okay. if it's recorded, similar okay. to being able to look up their real estate deed. I suppose, yeah. Okay. It's okay. The same idea. As opposed to a trust, very private. And so, uh, a lot of people like that idea, of course. Sure. And so I want to make sure that nobody knows who's going to get my my gun collection or or whatever. And so and plus again, that passes without the the intercession of, of probate. Okay. So you don't have to worry about that process.
1: So the revocable trust could still have distribution instructions, whereas the will may not. So the trust could say, hey, look, you know, we want our child to get this money. It's a lot of money over a 25-year period and under these... Right. And uh, like a a will just wouldn't have... Like, could a will say that and say... "Oh, Well, Well, a a will could have something called a
0: testamentary trust. The fancy legal term for will is testament. Okay. Uh, Testamentary trust would be a trust inside the will. It would be an irrevocable... Chai Phrasana, I see. Okay? Because okay. it really doesn't come to life. It doesn't come into being until I die if I have okay. a testamentary trust inside my will. And so then I could have all of those things still would be public because it's going to be recorded with the courthouse during the Mm -hmm. probate process. But I would be able to have all of the trust terms and say, you know, I want my son to get his million dollars, but I don't want him to get it all in one fell swoop. I want him to get it, as you mentioned, over the next 25 years or something like that.
1: Can a trust go so far as to say things like, okay, for this account, I want it invested in this way. And I want these various details about this. And I want this person over here to help my child do this. It can, I suppose, it could go as far as it wanted to. Is that true? It, it can. It's a very personalized, customized type of legal vehicle. So as long as it's
0: not breaking any laws, sure. Okay. Now it couldn't. You know, you couldn't say, "Well, I want my investments to be invested in drug running or something like that." <laughs> that wouldn't work. But, but uh, certainly they could. They could determine mm-hmm. how property is to be invested, how it's to be distributed. Sure.
1: A couple of other questions. Um, one is, are there, are there any kind of standard pitfalls you might bring to people's awareness or not really? Probably the biggest
0: pitfall I would give you is that a lot of people do this, and you started to sort of point this out with wills a little bit ago with one of your examples. They will do this and then forget about it. And so five years, 10 years, yeah. 15 years passes. And before you know it, everything they did 15 years ago, their life has changed. And so they really need to review this on a regular basis. And I'm not saying it has to be every year uh, or even every two years. But I would say uh, at least every five years, you should be sitting down with whoever your Mm -hmm. advisors are and saying, is this still working for me?
1: Another question I have... I'm not sure how familiar you are with this is um, do you get many requests these days for people doing online storage of their documents? Do you come across that at all in your line of work as far as re- how you interface with your clients and where they keep some of their documents? I don't. No, okay. I have not run into that. All right. Yeah. I, I, I bumped across that occasionally with um, some folks that are doing some online okay. storage of that. So, well, Scott, this has been fantastic. Um, how can people reach you?
0: Well, I have a website. Uh, the name of my practice is uh, Benefits and Business Law Advisors. And so I've shortened that to uh, my website would be Benibus Law. And okay. that's just B-E-N-E, shorthand for benefits, and B-U-S, short for business, and then law, com. Okay. And what is your email as well? And that would be S.A. Becker. S-A are my first two initials. And then uh, at com.
1: Okay. Awesome. I'm going to be putting those links as well on our right below the podcast. So you probably already have seen them if you're listening to this. And you can reach out to me as well if you want to get in touch directly with Scott. Thanks again for your time. Thank you very much for being, being able to be on us.
0: Thank you for listening to the Plan Vision podcast. Let us know
1: if you have any questions or comments on the topics covered.